You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Freedom of Species would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast today. We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across Australia. Apriremo quelle gabbie vili e co-criminali Animal Liberation Animal Liberation Animal Liberation Species brings animal advocacy to the airwaves from the 3CR studios in Melbourne and via podcast. Thanks to Sally on the previous show, Out of the Pan, covering all things pansexual issues, including transgender, bisexual, and polyamorous issues. Check out um, Sally's show every Sunday, 12 to 1. Always a great um, show. The next couple of decades, we'll see a revolution in food production, which could be a game changer for farmed animals. The promise of cellular agriculture is to fundamentally change the way we produce and think about animal-based foods. Rather than growing meat on a sentient individual who has feelings, interests, social connections, and whose moral worth requires our concern, instead, we can grow meat in a kitchen or in a lab or in a factory. We have seen huge amounts of investment into alternative proteins in the last few years and into cellular meat, and sometimes which is also sometimes called clean meat, cultured meat. Um, The science is well underway and new companies pop up regularly. And I saw something just last week that was about a startup that's going to create cat food from cultured mouse meat, which I think is a really interesting idea. Um, Today, we're joined by Dr. Bianca Lee and Ruth Purcell from Animal Agriculture Australia, who will tell us more about the developments in the salag industry. Uh, Bianca is the founder, director, and a scientist at Cellular Agriculture Australia, an organization working to create a connected salag community in Australia and around the world. And Ruth is a volunteer at Cell Agriculture Australia and was previously a biologist at Nourish Ingredients, a food technology company working to revolutionize how alternative protein products are made. I'm really excited to have both Bianca and Ruth along for the chat today um, to provide some on the ground expertise and um, perspectives on the status of and potential of cellular ag. So thanks, thanks Bianca and Ruth for joining us. Thanks for having us. <laughs> First off, I wanted, to, I wanted to ask really basic for the listeners who don't know, what is cellular agriculture? How does it work? Sure. Uh, so cellular agriculture is a very new industry and research field that, as you said, is dedicated to producing animal products with other animals. So animal products can be food like meat, seafood, eggs, dairy products, or even biomaterials like leather, wool and silk uh, with animals. So we can produce products directly by animal cells. Um, So, for example, instead of raising an entire chicken, which has beaks, feathers, sentience, things that we don't eat, just so we can uh, consume the breast or the the thigh meat, we can grow those parts um, from the muscle cells. So muscle, 
uh, from animals contain lots of different cell types, the predominant ones being muscle and fat. Uh, I can go deep into how this works, but um, Ruth brings in this uh, other arm of cellular agriculture, which is called precision fermentation, where we can produce um, non-cellular components of meat, like fat and protein um, through cells as well. Ruth, do you want to give us a bit of an um, intro to that? That's interesting. Yeah. So um, my connection to cell ag is yeah through acellular agriculture, where we produce uh, products of interest, so proteins or lipids, which are often used to make other alternative proteins taste better. So we know about alternative proteins often in the context of plant-based foods, and now we're talking about growing meat from cells. But at the moment, what we have on shop shelves are plant-based products, but they don't always quite measure up to um, what you would expect if you were eating a meat product. So in order to get this transition away from animal agriculture towards food that tastes like meat, but is not from an animal, uh, the first step is using plants. And we can make those taste better by using products that are cultured by cells in bioreactors. And then we extract those useful products and add them into the food matrix of plant products. So at Nourish Ingredients, we were working on uh, making lipids that would make these plant products taste better and more convincing. Yeah, cool. That's really interesting. And could you give us an example? So um, the bioreactors that are being used in this idea of producing a product from, from cells in the way that you say, Ruth, that's something that's that we already do in other places, isn't it? Can you give us an example that people might be already using? Exactly. So that's what's so great about fermentation technology. The platforms are already established. The science is well understood and technology exists and we just have to use it for something different. So if you think of a brewery, most people have walked into a brewery and seen those massive metal bioreactors. And that's pretty much exactly what we'll be using to cultivate um, usually yeast, but also other microorganisms to produce uh, lipids and proteins. So it's really something that's quite familiar. Fermentation is an old technology and we're, we're using this already in our food system. Yeah, it's it's exciting, and it, I I imagine one day walking into a um, a cultured meat sort of brewery almost where you can see the vats in the um in the background, similar to how we have breweries at the moment. Yep, yeah, it's wonderfully clean and you know safe technology. People will be really excited about it. Yeah, and I suppose that gets on to the um, follow, following question, uh, Bianca. Maybe you can tell us. And you've touched on this a little bit, but I'd like to go into a bit more detail. Why is cellular agriculture important? Sure. So our current food system is incredibly unsustainable and inefficient for our growing population. We know that by 2050, we're going to have many, many more mouths to feed. And there's this um, number of 9 billion people on the planet, which is kind of scary to think about. Um, and right now we're using animals to produce meat, the meat that we know and love. But an animal's body is not um, designed perfectly to produce all the calories and nutrition that we need without requiring a lot of land and other precious resources like um, energy, water, feed, etc. So the idea of cellular agriculture is still producing all the products we know and love uh, without the animal and therefore all these um, consequences of animal agriculture, including um, antimicrobial resistance, um, 
deforestation, uh, all these health uh, impacts that come with eating excessive amounts of meat. Uh, and so the idea is, you know, we can um, use this technology to make not just the meat that we're already familiar with, but create novel products that we've never even heard of before. So there's a lot of flexibility and creativity involved with this technology. And for the animals that are currently within our farming systems, it means sort of the potential to drastically reducing the number of animals that are in those systems. Exactly. And maybe in the future, uh, my dream is eliminating those sorts of systems. That's um, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the one thing that really excites me about cellular agriculture, the opportunity for new unexplored avenues and the creativity. I think Val makes a really good point of saying why are the animals that we've domesticated automatically the best meat to be eating? What, what about every other option? And that's the thing with synthetic biology, which we use at Nourish, is we're not locked by biological systems. You can literally do anything your mind can imagine. There's so many options and so many pathways to explore. So that's the real beauty of it. And, and that's exactly it. And I think an example of that was the, um, the you know, this cat food from cell from mouse cells. I mean, that's just such a, it, it sort of makes sense, but it's not something we would ever do. We, we, instead, we give cats salmon. You know, when, when's a cat ever eaten salmon? It's, um, it's a really interesting approach. It opens up, it allows us to think about the world in new ways and to think about the way that we feed ourselves and our, and other animals in new ways. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this idea of precision uh, medicine is uh, really big in the biomedical community where we want to tailor um, our, you know, lifestyle so that it is optimizing our health and with food. You know, if you want to eat steak, you can remove all the trans and saturated fats and include all these healthy fats like um, omega-3 fatty acids, which you would normally only find in fish or we can include um, plant material to create hybrid products so that we get dietary fiber, uh, a, a nutrition that we don't get in meat. So yeah, lo lots of possibilities. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. Um, and I suppose before, yeah, on, on the possibilities, there are still plenty of people out there in the world who are sort of weary or, or uncertain about salag. Um, and in the, in, in the animal community, there are people who are unsure about it. And I've seen concerns, and I think maybe you can um, allay these concerns, uh, about the continued use of animals in the process of, of cellular agriculture. Um, what would you say to people who have these sorts of concerns? Is it, is it still an issue? Is, it, is the industry moving away from that sort of, or already has moved away from that sort of um, process. Yeah, because the field is still so um, new, there are still a lot of technical scientific challenges that uh, the industry is trying to overcome. One being this um, continual uh, dependency on animals. So right now, maybe I'll explain how the process works for those who don't know. Um, to produce uh, meat without the animal, we take a small biopsy from an animal. It's painless and it's about the size of an almond. And that biopsy or sample will contain all the cells that we 
want. We then put those cells in a bioreactor or stainless steel tank that mimics the natural processes that the cells go through inside the animal's body. So that cell needs to eat, it eats amino acids, it eats um, electrolytes, and then it grows. It divides and it gets bigger in size. And then we harvest those cells and put them onto a scaffold. So a scaffold could be made from collagen fibers um, to give you that really nice grain that you find in steak or chicken breast. Um, and that's it. Right now, we um, are currently struggling to find ways in which those cells um, can divide continuously. And so companies still need to go back to that original animal to get new biopsies in order for these cells to grow indefinitely. So that's one issue, finding the right cell lines where these cells are what's called immortalized. And the other um, problem in, in this jigsaw, I guess, is um, finding a nutrition source for these cells. Right now, the industry utilizes what's called fetal bovine serum. So it's a component found in the blood of cow fetuses, um, which has all the amazing nutrients that cells need to develop. But obviously, we um, process to um, be completely removed from animals, then we can't keep killing cow fetuses in order to get that um, cell media. So yes, there are still many technical challenges that the field has to overcome, but there are many um, companies as well as academic labs trying to solve these issues. Yeah, great. And and are we do you, do you think we're close to solving those issues or are they still a ways away? Like, I know it's how long's a piece of string, but um, are, we, are we further down the line than we were 10 years ago when this stuff was just sort of popping up? Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's the most common question I get, you know, when are we going to um, get these products to supermarket shelves? Um, I will not speculate or provide any <laughs> dates for you any years because companies have been saying um, every year for the past six years, yes, this product's going to be um, available for consumers at the end of this year. Um, so the time will quite long. Having said that, though, there's been so much investment in this field. There, is, there are so many investors and private companies um, working towards developing proof of concepts um, of these products. And there are more and more companies nowadays developing pilot plant facilities to scale up the production. On the other side, there's um, a lot of academic labs in this space trying to um, solve a lot of these issues but they are in comparison underfunded. There aren't as many academic labs in this space. And that's really important because we want this information, all of these scientific discoveries to be publicly available. Right now, all of the answers to those um, problems that I mentioned before are locked up in these private companies, making it harder for new startups to get in the space and um, yeah, get involved. Yeah, it's a, it's that would be an issue certainly, and I, I there is a um a sort of a smaller movement within the Celeg um space. Uh, I think it, is it Shojin Meats, where it's people trying to produce um cellular ag or cell cell meats cell based meats um in their homes. So. Uh, yeah, this this idea of open access to knowledge and open access to processes sort of mimics that um, biohacking um, community that are trying to recreate insulin, 
for instance. And we certainly don't want things to be locked up by companies for profit. Yeah, exactly. It's so nice seeing um, both ends of the spectrum, you know, these big corporations like Tyson Foods getting involved, they're a meat producer, but then also you get this grassroots activism where citizen scientists, like high school students, are learning how to create mini bioreactors in their classrooms or in their homes using like um, a sous vide machine to create the incubator or a fan, uh, just a a regular fan (laughs) to um, create a centrifuge where they're um, really innovative and creative. And Ruth, can you tell us if someone um, who eats animal flesh at the moment from farmed animals, um, who's sceptical about um, cellular ag meat, what would you say to them? What would you say to them to sort of try to um, suggest that they give it a go? Once it's available, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So I think the biggest thing with people who eat farm animals they don't actively want to harm animals it's just a sort of willful ignorance I have only become vegetarian in the past sort of 18 months really and I was brought up in South Africa eating meat is a massive part of our culture you know you just there's so much meat on every single uh, dinner plate that's just part of how South Africans live and you just don't think about the animals involved it's I wouldn't say to them to uh, you know really research how animal meat is produced and once you think about it too hard, you'll be pretty grossed out by how disgusting animal agriculture really is. And if people have that sort of ick factor towards meat that has been grown in a food grade facility, because I think it's abnormal to culture chunks of flesh um, outside of an animal, you know, I think you'd really have to, I really ask them to compare how gross one is compared to what they think the other is, because the amount of flesh, blood and bacterial infections going around in an abattoir are pretty awful if you think about it so it's just lifting the veil on what really happens and how you get that piece of steak onto your dinner plate um yeah it's just really assessing the whole process mm. yeah cool um we might go for a break there and this is science is real by they might be giants science is real from the big bang to dna science is real from evolution to the milky way i like those stories about angels unicorns and elves now with the 
are. Here to stay. A message from Victoria's community sector. I'm looking forward to not worrying that my patients are going to die of COVID. To no one else being separated from their mum in aged care. I'm looking forward to our wedding and having our family and friends from overseas here with us. I really want to see my mum. I'm looking forward to being able to welcome guests without a mask on. To having all the sports back to normal so that my family members can come and watch me play. I look forward to performing in front of a big crowd again. So please, get vaccinated. Please get vaccinated. Please get vaccinated. Let's get back to the good things. I ask you to get vaccinated. For all of us. Please get vaccinated. A message from Victoria's community sector. A 3CR supporter. You're listening to Freedom of Species on 3CR, 855 AM on the radio or via podcast or online via 3cr.org.au. And today we are speaking with Bianca and Ruth from Animal Agriculture Australia, talking about the future of cellular cellular agriculture um, or cultured meats and how we can take the cells of an animal and um, grow them into foods, replacing current farmed um, farmed animal processes for producing meats. So, we've got a bit of a we've had a bit of a background about what cellular agriculture is. Now, I want to ask, like, what is cellular agriculture Australia? Why did you set it up, Bianca? What was the purpose? Oh, so my background, um, I'm a cell biologist and I've always been in the biomedical research field, um, but learned about this concept of cellular agriculture or clean meat, which was what it was known back then, um, through the effective altruism community. Um, and for those who um, don't know, effective altruism is a social movement slash research field that's dedicated to using our research like time, money, to do the most good in the world. And as a biomedical researcher, I always thought that my talents, my career capital was mostly um, geared towards helping people live better, helping human health, right? Um, and it wasn't until I learned about cell ag, um, I, I, didn't, I realized that I could use my expertise for food science and um, the animal agriculture system contributes to so many global challenges, not just human health, but um, as I said before, um, deforestation, loss of biodiversity, um, zoonic diseases. Yes, exactly. All those things. And so knowing that I could contribute to all of that um, made it so appealing. And a lot of other people who get into the field feel the same. So that's how I learned about CELAG and I really wanted a job in the space. But because the industry was so new, a lot of the opportunities were in the US. Um, so unfortunately, I couldn't go to my, um, my PhD because that was the start of the pandemic. So it really forced me to look at Australia. What is Australia doing um, in the CELAG space? And at the time, this was early 2020, there were two companies in the space, Val in Sydney and Heros up in Brisbane. And there were no academic labs. So I really wanted to build the community here and you know, develop that research field in Australia. And <laughs> unfortunately, um, there, there weren't many people involved. So I just started off by creating a Twitter account um, to just update people on the news that was going on. Um, but I, because I came from a biomed background, I realized that Australia is 
actually really well placed to do very well in cell ag. We have a very strong stem cell research sector because the government has previously invested bucket loads of money into regenerative medicine. Um, but also we've got a really strong animal ag sector. No other largest exporter of beef in the world. Um, and we've got this great reputation of developing high quality, safe, um, sustainable, in quotation marks, meat. And we supply a lot of that meat to um, the Asian market, for example. So we've got really strong tra trade ties with um, APAC. And so I really wanted to leverage all of those um, resources, the existing expertise, the existing supply chain, and um, diversify our sources of protein and, and create the community here in Australia. Mm, it's, it, I'm glad you have. And it seems so. <laughs> I've, there, there's a community that is developing. I think there's a couple of hundred people that are starting to, to coalesce around Cellular Agriculture Australia. Um, which is fantastic. One thing that I wanted to ask, you, you mentioned ties to APAC and um, other, uh, so our, our export of animal flesh to other countries. Do you, um, do you have any, any feelings about whether other countries are going to be, so, you know, in Western societies, there seems to be some, some um, pushback against technological food or, um, you know, creating and growing or, or foods in labs and then using that in our ingredients and whatnot. Um, do you think that there are, and perhaps Ruth, you can talk about this, in other countries where there's less access to meat, whether they all have the same issues or will they just be happy to get access to new sources of meat, do you think? So I think uh, using it as a, like a safe net for food insecurity is a bit far away. Uh, these products are still um, really expensive. It is a premium product. And at the moment, it is going to be sold to people on higher income, people who already have access to food. We're not going to be uh, giving it out to people. or not, We're not going to be able to supply it to people who don't have food, who will just take whatever they can get. So that's not really um, something to consider just yet. But I mean, when that does become an option, people who don't have access to any food will, of course, be happy with anything regardless as long as it's safe if it doesn't matter how it was made as long as it's safe and nutritious I think we're still seeing that pushback in other countries um with the sort of techno food and there's I mean in the states and in, in Europe there's absolutely the same sort of feeling towards that sort of food in as we see in Australia um interestingly in the states I have seen some companies um sort of capitalize on that uh that techno side, there's a company called Simulate. It's plant-based, not cell cellular agriculture, but really leaning into the fact that it is just leveraging amazing technology and it's gone so well. So there's there's two sides of the story. It really depends on who you're trying to market to and the customer's interest. And some people are really all for that, like, you know, let's embrace science to, to feed us in a better way. And it works for some people. And I think slowly um will get acceptance customer acceptance is always pushed back to new technology regardless of what it is that's just you know the, how people are and slowly i think we'll see consumer acceptance the more people see it on the shelves the more their friends are eating it the more they realize that well actually what's wrong with this this is amazing it'll happen gradually but definitely we are seeing that in other countries yep so back to animal thanks for that ruth um back to cellular agriculture australia 
Um, Bianca, what does what does the organisation hope to achieve? What are you um, planning to do? Do you have certain things that you're working on right now or that you've got plans to work on into the future? Um, what is the, what's the more specific stuff that you're focusing on? Yeah, we work on many, many projects. So um, overall, our mission is to um, make cellular agriculture one of the leading um, research fields in Australia, dedicating all of our research to making these products and ensuring that they're safe, nutritious, um, delicious, uh, commercially successful um, in for the whole world, not just in Australia. Um, so we're largely focused around three major goals. So one is developing that talent pipeline to ensure that we have a workforce, a really high quality workforce um, of researchers, investors, entrepreneurs, um, everyone needs to be involved in this to, to make the industry successful. Number two is creating a connected community to ensure that um, companies and academic labs are collaborative, but also to you know, put in some healthy competition in there so that we are really um, a world leader in this industry. Um, and finally, we want to do utilize our um, effective science communication expertise to promote this technology and explain to future consumers of these products what this technology is, but more importantly, what isn't. Um, and so from those three pillars, we've got lots of different projects ranging from um, developing uh, social media content and useful resources to get people um, involved and, and educating them. We also run events to, um, to showcase the range of research opportunities and grants in the space for academics. We um, look at... Um, uh, lots of other things, but yeah, basically we're trying to get that community involved in the space. And how's it going? Ruth, maybe you can speak to speak to this as someone who's come to Failure Agriculture Australia. Um, how did you find it and uh, what, what does it help you do, help you achieve uh, uh, in your goals? So um, I am also a cell biologist by background. I had never heard of cellular agriculture all throughout my undergrad degree. I finished honours um, mid last year in the middle of the pandemic and I saw Nourish uh, was starting up and I thought, well, they're utilising cell biology skills and I care about human health, I care about the environment, I care about animals. Let's put my skills to um, some more practical use because, you know, in the research lab, you don't see that the effects of your research often for decades later. And I was already feeling like I needed to make an impact now. So I heard about CELAG through the fact that um, Nourish was starting up at the university where I just finished my honours degree. And then through working at Nourish, I heard about CELAG Australia and what Bianca was doing. And I, you know, I've really always been passionate about uh, science communication. And I think uh, you know, making science accessible to people regardless of their education, educational background is so important, especially when it comes to human health and food, things which affect everyone. You can't escape, you know, the need to understand how your body works, how food affects your body. So uh, getting involved in the science communication around cell ag seemed like a really valuable use of my time. And yeah, that's a, that's a really good point that 
this is a conversation that does affect everyone, isn't yeah. it? It's sort of a lot of science, um, you know, science that I sort of do and science in um, biomedical sciences and things, it, it might be targeted at a particular um, patient group or particular disease, and you might have an impact, as you say, a long time down in the future, if at all, to yeah. a small number of people. But revolutionising the way that we create meat is like it could change and I and I hope and I, I, I really do believe probably will change the world. It will change the way that we um, think about food in our societies. That's why I think it's so important to get the conversations going in public now because it's something that everyone needs to understand and be aware of. It's not some very niche, tiny field of science that probably will never affect you. This, this, this is important to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you and found, oh, sorry, go be Yeah, okay. I think Ruth raises a really good point to make these conversations um, publicly accessible for everyone. As a, as a you know, go-to expert um, organisation for the field, we don't want to just be the cheerleaders mm. promoting all the great things and potential impact, positive impact that this technology could have on the community. We want to also talk about consumers' concerns. Why wouldn't you be interested in this? What do scientists not know about the technology? What are some of the potential um, unintended consequences of this, this technology? This is all really, really important information that um, we need to flesh out now before these products are on supermarket shelves. Um, so I encourage anyone who is concerned or has some questions to actually uh, join our public Slack channel. Um, find out our website and it can join us lots of different forums for uh, people to discuss about the science industry news um consumer acceptance all those different topics um and yeah i i encourage all different backgrounds to to get involved in that and we'll, we'll leave a link we'll leave a link for that in the show notes um, so that people can find that Ruth, sorry. Okay, I was just saying, I think you, you keep saying um, it's so important for people with different backgrounds to get involved. That that really, really is a point that I'd love to drive home hard because, you know, it really is a race against climate change, antimicrobial resistance, all these uh, environmental concerns that we're seeing. And it, it's, a, it's an all hands on deck situation right now. We need people with law backgrounds, marketing, accounting, everyone can contribute to the field of cell ag. So if this is something that, you know, you're interested in, there's almost certainly a way you can do something to contribute. Great. And I, that was going to be my next question is how do people get involved? And I imagine um, if, if we point them to cellularagricultureaustralia.org, that's a good place to start. Yes, absolutely. So you can go to our website. We've got lots of useful resources for you to read through or watch or listen to. Um, we've got that Slack channel for you to get involved in and chat to some of the scientists working in the field. Um, but also you can contact us directly. You can email us. And if you're interested in volunteering or you want to find a job in this space, um, just message us and we'll help you out how we can. Yeah, fantastic. We'll go to a quick song. This is I Think I'm a Clone Now by Weird Al Yankovic.
Victoria, to keep us safe, we know what to do. There are only five reasons to leave home. Shopping for food and supplies that you need. Exercise, both within five kilometres of your home or as close to home as possible. Care and caregiving. Authorised work or education if you can't do it from home. Getting vaccinated as soon as you're eligible. Masks are mandatory indoors and outdoors. And if you have any symptoms, get tested. For the latest updates, go to coronavirus.vic.gov.au. Authorised by the Victorian Government Melbourne, a 3CR supporter. You're listening to Freedom of Species and we are joined today by Bianca and Ruth from Cellular Agriculture Australia. We've been talking about what Cellular Agriculture Australia does, what CELAG is, all of these um, interesting points that are being brought up. And um, just before we went to the previous song, which was I Think I'm a Clone Now by Weird Al, um, Bianca mentioned that CELAG Australia is interested in sort of pointing out what um, are the 
challenges or the gaps or the maybe unintended consequences of this industry, not just being a um, cheerleader for it. And that leads perfectly into my next question, which is what are the biggest challenges facing um, CELAG in the coming decades, both in Australia and around the globe? Ruth, do you have something that you'd like to? Yeah, I think first off is obviously, uh, how do we scale this? We've made these uh, uh, cell-grown meat samples in labs and trying to get them to a consumer relevant scale is a huge challenge. It's one thing to make one very expensive steak, but to make the millions that we need to, to feed people is a whole different story. Um, so scaling and cost are two really big hurdles at the moment. It's just not feasible uh, with the current uh, price barriers and the ability to uh, scale up production. So that, that's one thing. And then the second thing we've touched on already is getting people to accept um, that this is the way of the, the future of food. Uh, and I think it'll happen with time gradually, but consumer acceptance is definitely a barrier still. With the, um, the scale and cost what are the what are the particular barriers there is it that is it the um sort of the being able to divide and, and grow the cells sort of perpetually like is it the biomass that you need to be able to produce like what is it that's specifically the issue yeah Bianca can probably speak more about a, a cell-based meat but for precision fermentation uh feedstock is you know quite expensive so you can optimize um the nutritional input of your the, what you're feeding your yeast or microorganisms, you can also engineer them to be able to survive off a much cheaper media. Uh, yeast uh, are known to be able to grow off factory waste and wood chips and weird things that you would usually just uh, send to waste. So engineering them to be able to grow on that, not only grow, but at a high biomass and also still produce your product of interest. So that's really quite a big challenge so overcoming the expense by a bit of um, metabolic engineering to allow them to uh, grow on cheap feedstock is one thing um, and then also extracting the product those extraction processes can be quite tricky especially now if you're trying to extract lipids the whole cell membrane is made of lipids so how do you destroy one lipid while keeping the lipid you're interested intact and that's really quite hard to to break up broke one type of fat while keeping the other fat intact and get enough of it so those sort of the, the ferment, actual fermentation the growth and then the extraction process are two things that need to be optimized and it's a hard question and i don't have the answers and the scientists are, will be working on that I, i'm sure and you folks are working on the other the other one that you raised which is um sort of public acceptance uh bianca do you have other challenges that you think um yeah will need to be faced in terms of the cultivated meat industry, they face a lot of the same challenges as the acellular agriculture or precision fermentation industry faces, as Ruth mentioned. But there's a another technical um, problem at the moment, which is we can grow these cells. Um, we can have millions of tons of the cells, but um, it's just a homogenous mass of cells, right? That's not the meat that we eat. We eat um, all the more expensive cuts of meat, a whole pieces of tissue so ribeye steaks or um, eye fillets they're you know very specific and highly structured meats um, cuts that have really beautiful marbling of fat within the tissue and that gives us um, resistance we have when we bite into a steak or a chicken breast 
that is a really tough um, puzzle to solve. So there are different ways that scientists are trying to overcome this. They can, that some are using um, 3D printing techniques to, uh, you know, print out the, um, the scaffold of meat and creating that, that um, complex structure of muscle to fat ratio. Um, others uh, are, are using um, plant-based scaffolds, for example, so creating those hybrid um, products where we use either coconut fibres or mushroom fibres to give us that same um, mouthfeel. So yeah, that's definitely another um, problem that I don't think will be sol solved for quite a while. Um, so I suspect that the first few products that we see on supermarket shelves will be mincemeat um, mm -hmm. as opposed to whole cuts of stakes. Yeah. Just a question um, maybe for the audience is uh, to, yeah, to uh, explore for the audience. Um, why, why take the time? Why do the expense and you say that it is really challenging? Why not put it into, put that sort of um, effort into plant-based um, meats? Uh, and Ruth, you know, from from um, Nourisher's perspective, they I suppose they're working on this uh, that side of things, the alternative protein, not necessarily cellular agriculture. Why not just like really hone in and focus in on that? Why go to the trouble of cellular ag? Yes, as you said, Nourish is definitely working on tackling the plant-based meat problem. Look, I don't think we're ever going to get plants to the same texture, functional capabilities taste as um a, you know a real piece of meat it's also just a mindset thing people want to eat real meat people we've been begging the world to go vegan for decades it's not gonna happen like we have to be a re we have to be realistic people want to eat animal flesh and getting plants to replicate that perfectly is almost certainly never going to happen it's yes it's expensive and tricky to get cells to do it but they're much more likely to be able to replicate the experience that people want um, than plants are. And yeah, it really is just people want to eat meat. And this is how we let them eat meat without eating animals. Great answer. Yep. <laughs> um, final question. Uh, and for you both, uh, what is the most exciting thing that you think um, is happening in Salag or is going to be happening in Salag? Who'd like to take it first? That is such a tough question, Adam. There are, you know, news headlines every few days with really exciting news. I just woke up to some today where two of the largest cell ag startups in Australia have now announced a partnership, which is Ingredients, where we're used to work, and our company in Sydney producing um, lots of different cell lines um, in non-traditionally domesticated farm animals. Um, so that is really exciting. Um, I think we'll see a lot of really interesting news coming out of Singapore soon um, because they have been the first country in the world and only country in the world to have regulated cultivated meat products. Um, a company in the US have sold their cultivated chicken nuggets in a Singaporean restaurant. So yeah, look out for Singapore, um, but watch this space here in Australia to look at all the new companies popping up in the space. Ruth, what's the most exciting thing about Salag, you reckon? To me, it really is this company called Wild Type in the States that produces um, beautifully textured salmon. It's got all the perfect uh, striations that you expect in a salmon. 
I before I became vegetarian I just ate fish for a really long time and giving up salmon was the hardest thing for me like I don't really like meat anymore but salmon is different I love I really do enjoy it it's just like about that texture it's amazing and wild type has really uh, nailed that whole cut as Bianca was saying earlier uh, one of the biggest challenges in cell ag is um getting meat that replicates the actual muscle tissue not just a homogenous mass of cells and wild type salmon it looks beautiful I've shown meat eaters and they are just they're like wow okay maybe maybe I would eat that and give up meat if, if that was an option so wild type gets me really excited their salmon just looks oh incredible and I'll, I'll I'm gonna put one in here as well maybe two actually I think the idea of this this um, mouse meat for for pets I think is such a interesting and, and good idea and maybe has less regulatory hurdles to overcome so it could be a faster way for some companies to get to market with a you know like a they probably don't mind just having a homogenous mass of, of cells they could just blend it up with some other things and the cats will love it um the other the other thing is i wonder what the cell ag industry will look like in 100 years and at the moment we talk about replicating cuts of meat that we know and but after 50 years say of of mostly eating salag um, our understanding of meat will change people will be experimenting with shapes and types and structures and things and i just i just wonder what it's going to look like i just wonder where we're going to be that yeah that really brings us back to the creativity aspect that we raised earlier there's so much room to explore I read Vow has uh, one of their meats they're trying to make is liger, lion cross uh, tiger. Like you could never like reasonably eat that without cell ag. And that's just the most wonderful concept to explore. So it, it's so exciting for sure. And on uh, similarly, maybe the, the oddest one that I've heard, um, and it, I think I saw it in the Shojin meat sort of world, is someone for their PhD were um, reproducing their own muscle tissues and they were going to eat their own muscle tissues um you know we shouldn't shouldn't promote that on a large scale because we'll maybe get mad cow disease or something like that but you know there's people experimenting out there yeah that's why we need more ethicists uh and lots uh, social I'm, scientists involved in this field as well <laughs> i'm gonna say as someone like working on the marketing side of so like now i don't know if i like that image i don't want the <laughs> brand associated with cannibalism please <laughs> <laughs> i did not endorse that <laughs> um, it's a it's an exciting time i suppose we're early early days as you say plenty of things to be done and still a long way to go um but it's great to know that there's there's organisations out there like Cellular Agriculture Australia working to sort of get this stuff happening. Um, so thanks so much for your time and for your um, for your thoughts today. Was there anything else that you wanted to um, leave or say to the audience before we we finish up? Um, yeah, I just love to let everyone know that I my inbox is always open. You can message me on LinkedIn, DM me on Twitter, private message me on the Slack channel that I mentioned before. Um, I love chatting to people, and no matter you know what your interests are, whether you're vegan, meat eater, scientist, um, student, I want to talk to you. So reach out to me. Fantastic. Join us next week, every week, one to two 
p.m. on Sundays or tune in um, tune in via 8.55 a.m. or we're streamed live on the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au. You can always get us on podcast. We'll see you next time. We'll go, go out with this, um, this song by The Score called Revolution. Oh, my world begins to howl. Wake me up, the time is now. Can you hear the drum? There's a revolution coming. Wide awake, the fever burns. Sweat it out.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.